welcome to episode 34 of the RF Generation Playcast. I'm Grey Ghost 81 and this is our first show of 2017. Our title for January is an SNES classic known as Secret of Mana. The game is highly regarded but it does have its flaws. Is it still worth playing today or best viewed only through nostalgia tinted glasses? Find out in our full discussion of the game, which will of course contain spoilers. Please remember to subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter, and like us on Facebook. You can listen to the show on iTunes and Podbean. As always, don't forget to log on to rfgeneration.com to join our playthroughs and discuss the awesome games we play together. Thank you as always for listening, and now, on with the Playcast. Celebrated a big birthday recently, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could say that. Pretty big. Milestone birthday. 40 years old. Wow, man. Yeah, it's old, man. <laughs> no, that, I mean, hey, that's, you're only as old as you feel. I truly believe that. And uh, if you're still running around with all your kids and playing video games and doing podcasts and all that stuff, I, I'd say you got pretty well under control. Yeah, I don't. I don't worry about numbers and things like that. I, I did have a few people ask me, you know, do you feel old now? How do you feel? And I'm like, I don't feel any different than the way I felt, you know, the day before. Just the same me. Yeah. Still the same video game playing, uh, dude. And so, you know, like you said, I mean, it's just it's just a number. And um, basically, if um, someone were to, um, you know, kind of try to figure out what my age was based on uh, my hobbies and things that I do, they'd probably say like 13. So I feel like I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I think I think the same way about myself. Like all the anime I watch and video games I play, like <laughs> I don't act like a 35 or however old I am, year old. So I think it helps too, man. I think it helps like keep you younger, um, you know, physically and mentally. You know, I think it's important. And I think... Like, it, it keeps your stress level down. Like, there, there's so many things that I, I feel like people who are adults worry about so much. And, uh, you know, for me, it's sort of like I worry about what's going on under my roof. That's, like, what I really care about. You know, there's, yeah. like, all these other, like, outside factors and stuff that I feel like a lot of people let them weigh them down and get really depressed over. And um, 
I, I'm just kind of like, you know, screw it. I, I don't really care. It's like, what's going on here? You know, you just got to make sure everything's going well. You know, I've got, you know, I've got three kids I love and a wonderful wife and uh, now a wonderful job. And now if I could stop not being fat, uh, I'd be completely happy. That's what I was talking to my wife about today. I'm like, we got to exercise. We just got a treadmill for Christmas from my folks. So uh, we're working on it, man, trying to get healthy. You can't play Pokemon Go on a treadmill, but you can (laughs) (laughs) maybe use that. I've I've been thinking about trying to get into that again. What, Pokemon Go on a treadmill? No, (laughs) just Pokemon Go in general. (laughs) Getting out in the world. I actually bought a bike uh, recently. Oh, good um, for you, man. Yeah, it's it's really nice. I discovered that uh, my company has a corporate discount with Diamondback, so I bought a Diamondback bike. And right on, dude. I love it. So, so this is um, it's a trail bike. Is is that what this is, or is it? It's not a road bike, right? No, it's called a city bike. Um, okay, it yeah, looks like like a hybrid. What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, bikes yeah. are so crazy now. Like when I was a kid, we had <laughs> 10 speeds, BMX and mountain bikes and that was sure. it. But now there's so many different kinds. It, mm-hmm. it looks lo- like what we used to call a mountain bike when we were kids. It doesn't have like the shocks on it, but mm-hmm. it's like a 20 um, some odd speed, you know, regular bike. So I like Very it. Cool. Very cool. Uh, yeah. Several years ago, I was road biking um, and actually did a triathlon. Nice. Once, it was right after my daughter was born, uh, I was training for it, and uh, I was, you know, fairly good shape. And um, I don't know, man. I uh, we moved out to the country. I was kind of like, yeah. Uh, first, like month we were here, two people got killed on the roads, oh, and I, and you know, moving out here, I actually had some guys in the city I would ride with, you know, riding groups with, and moving out to the country is sort of like, yeah, I'm gonna have to ride by myself. My wife was like, I would just prefer you sell your bike, and I was like, okay. It's just, it's way too dangerous out where I live. It's crazy, man. People just don't really respect bikers. I I think, as odd as it sounds, it's safer to ride in the city with all the traffic than it is to ride, like, out in the middle of nowhere, you know? Yeah, I I mean, luckily, not that it's not super safe, but Austin is a very uh, bike-friendly city. There are bike lanes everywhere, and it's it's one of those, like, you know, just like there's a lot of school, there's a school in my neighborhood, so everybody's very careful of the school children. So, like, everybody in Austin is very careful of the the bikers for the most part. So, cool. Um, yeah. Well, cool, man. Good luck with that. Uh, just have to let me know how it goes. Yeah. We were talking about my 40th birthday and everything, and one of the things, and the only thing, like, my birthday got me thinking about was, like, this whole idea of, like, what is my gaming mortality? As far yeah. as like, how long am I gonna am I gonna do this? How long am I gonna be collecting games? Okay. How long into my life am I gonna be playing games? You know. Right. Yeah, I was curious what you meant by this, but I, I, now that you say it, I totally get it. Something I think about a lot myself yeah. as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, what do you think? I don't know, man. I'm. It's not like retirement. I'm not gonna like put a date on it. You know. <laughs> You know, it's not it's not something that I'm like in a hurry to stop doing. I, I guess, you know, it, it's one of those things where as long as I'm happy doing it, I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, so I don't see myself stopping anytime soon. Uh, I'm, I may do it into the grave. You know, I may uh, I may damn Lemmy from Motorhead this thing, you know, just keep playing till I'm in the grave. Uh, but, uh, you know, having kids is cool because uh, they're into it now. And uh Uh, we had lost their, uh, their DSs, uh, 
my son's uh, DS and my daughter's 3DS. And couldn't find them and uh, ended up digging them out of my wife's closet. She had cleaned her car out and they had had them on the road. Uh-huh. And uh, phew, man, that was a big relief because I was like, man, I don't have a 3DS to play any games on. Right. <laughs> or yeah. do something for the, <laughs> the playthrough. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about getting the 3DS now. I've got some credit saved up and uh, it's either going to be that or PS4. So we'll see. Nice. So how about you, man? How long do you think you're going to be playing games? Uh, you know, it's funny. I think probably forever. My my interest, uh, you know, it it has peaks and valleys. That's that's the phrase I'm looking for. Um, I feel like like you and I are probably like we're in the the first generations of people who have had video games for our entire lives. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. we, we were among the first. I mean, I remember getting our first computer like i remember life before we had a computer in the house but <laughs> i always had video games yeah um so we're like you un- like unique in how we grew up with that technology so i wonder like i think in 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 the way that tv is part of people's lives forever and like reading books i feel like video games are just another form of media that once they're part of your blood. You're just going to stick with them forever. That's, I mean, that's, a, that's a great take, man. I've never really thought about it that way. I, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like TV. You had it. You're never going to stop doing it. You're never really going to stop watching it. So, uh, yeah, that, that's that's a great way to think about it. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny, you know, because I guess growing up with video games, my parents were always like, anti-video games you know it was they they were a part of that it, it'll rot your mind culture yeah. <laughs> so um and still to this day they don't i mean they don't hate video games they always bought them you know for my brother and i growing up they would buy systems and games for you know for birthdays and for christmas we wouldn't just you know just get games and my parents certainly didn't game um but it's cool to hear stories like um like Bill from the Collector Cast, he talks about his father-in-law is a big gamer, and his father-in-law, um, you know, still plays games, and you know, they they share uh, that kind of bond together and play games. And I thought, man, that's that's pretty cool because that's obviously probably someone who, you know, did not grow up with games, um, mm-hmm. but you know, just kind of embraced it later on in life and then stuck with it. And you know, even at his father-in-law's age is still playing like modern video games guy has a ps4 and plays destiny with bill or uh not a ps4 but a uh, xbox one so yeah that's pretty cool that is awesome yeah uh, yeah i don't have too many people like that in my life anymore that aren't uh like internet friends like you mm-hmm. uh and floyd and everybody else but uh yeah i do have like there's a younger guy that i work with who's into video games but he's into like different video games than i am Mm -hmm. we have some common ground but not a lot and uh you know my last two articles on the site were actually about like kind of coping with um my feelings about gaming and being able to share them with uh my friend jesse who passed away and how i i finally like kind of came to terms with the fact that like my passion for gaming was fading out because i couldn't just simply tell him about the games i was playing and i had to like kind of find a way to come to terms with that so uh i feel like i have and when we get to what we're playing i mean i don't know if you've looked at my beaten in 2017 thread but it's ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was gonna get you to talk about that too how many games did you beat in january i 
Uh, I don't know. It was almost 30. Like, I think I've beaten 34 <laughs> games so far this year. <laughs> With now, some, there's yeah. some caveats to that, obviously. Conditions sure. A little bit. I'm using, in a lot of cases, I'm using cheats. If I'm playing mm-hmm. like a beat 'em up or a shoot 'em up, I just turn on infinite lives and just play straight through the game. Okay. Um, I try not to use cheats that will distort the, the gameplay itself. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. try to make it so that I can just pace my self like straight through the game that's mm-hmm. all i want to do so yeah um yeah a lot of the games i'm playing are, are beat em ups and shoot em ups so that's cool that's cool yeah it's, it's interesting man um and and you know we, we talk about um there's a thread on rf generation where it's called like the games beaten in 2017 uh, there's a thread started every year and members will go on there and they'll like list the games they beaten uh during the year and you know you just sort of modify your post uh, each time you beat a game, and so it's it's not a competition or anything. It's just a way to kind of track what you've beaten and kind of see what everybody else is playing. It's it's, it's really neat. And uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that, man. And and you know, I don't. I'm not trying to sound like um, I'm not trying to come off the wrong way in saying this, but I, I'm just kind of curious about like like in in beating games like like for me, I don't know if I could use like you know, infinite stuff to beat a game. But I, I guess, like, from your your perspective, you just want to see the entire game, and that's what's important to you, right? Yeah, I mean, I that's exactly how I would put it, yeah. Rich. And, and I, I am totally fine with people saying, like, cheats are not acceptable. Like, if that's your yeah. gameplay style, even if, yeah. if you said, hey, I don't feel like it's right to put a, a game in a quote-unquote beaten games thread that you use cheats for totally fine don't consider yourself having (laughs) beaten those games that's fine like i yeah i totally sympathize with that i just you know like for like one really good example is um super castlevania 4 sure one of my favorite games of all time i mean i I remember getting this game on like my i think it was my 14th birthday Mm -hmm. and I played it to death, but I probably played the first two thirds of it to death. And there was a certain point that I could never get past. I never finished the game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just using an infinite lives cheat and just taking my time. And actually, you know, I didn't use super powered weapons or anything. I didn't, you know, I had to literally beat all the bosses on my way along mm-hmm. and yeah. just played my way through the game and finally got to see every level and it was awesome like i'm happy i did that so cool cool it's the kind of experience that i'm you know trying to look for by doing it this way so cool man yeah i mean like i said i mean i'd been like kind of i've been wanting to talk to you about this and all the games you beat and i was trying to i've been like uh kind of like searching my head to kind of think of a way to talk to you about this without me sounding like a You know, (laughs) asking you that question, I don't feel like you took it that way. I just, you know, some people get really uptight. I don't care personally, you know, but some people do sort of get uptight about people doing that. But like I said, I mean, our thread is just like, it's basically a, you know, a game's beaten thread and you can do it any way you want to, you know. And like you said, you know, it's a way for you to explore the game. And I think that's really cool because, you know, sadly... You know, there's a lot of people that never get to experience the endings or see more of the game because they get stuck at a certain part. So I think it's, right. you know, a really cool thing that you're doing. You're, you're getting to play some games that you've always wanted to kind of explore and see the ending to. And uh, that that's really awesome. Yeah, and I'm actually, I'm more like kind of grateful that nobody gave me guff for 
playing all these games through emulation and I actually uh, wrote in one of my articles that I had soft modded a, a used Nintendo Wii that I bought and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just gotta say like I know emulation is becoming a little bit more accepted in the collecting community as, as time mm-hmm. goes on mm-hmm. but I know it's still a touchy subject and I don't want to debate it, it again yeah much like with cheat codes if you're against it i'm totally i get it like i'm totally fine with that but i i will say that i've tried playing games through emulation for years and years and years Mm -hmm. on various things pc psp my dreamcast i have a bunch of game like discs with emulators and roms on them Mm-hmm. But I have never had such a comfortable experience playing emulators as I have on this soft modded Wii with um, an HDMI adapter. So very cool. I'm p- playing this on my 50 inch plasma screen TV in, <laughs> in 720i or whatever it is HD, yeah. And with uh, the Wii Classic controller, which is such a good controller, mm-hmm. and I mean. It's better than, to me, it's better than the Retron 5 uh, as far as like latency and mm-hmm. just performance issues. And I'm just, oh, yeah. I'm so like in the zone and just comfortable playing these games. I'm getting so much enjoyment out of it. So uh, doing doing that, it's a really easy soft mod and you could just find it on the internet how to do it. And I'm not good at that kind of stuff. So I'm actually, yeah. it's, it's kind of <laughs> like, I'm like kind of proud of myself for just getting it to work, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time, and I don't know. I'm psyched about it, so. Yeah, it's cool. And, and like you said, you brought up a good point about, like, emulation. I feel like people used to attack that more than they uh, than they do now. They don't really attack it so much anymore. And I think it's, from a collector's standpoint, it's the price of games have gotten so ridiculous that, uh, you know, how else are you going to play some of these games? Um, and so right. I feel like it, there's the price of games has kind of more more so justified, um, you know, emulation in that way. And, and secondly, the other thing is now people are sort of like, uh, you know, making all these fake games or, you know, sort no, of pirating sure. the software and making cartridges, too. So now people have something to be angrier at than emulation, you know, it's, it's people making these fake carts and, you know, trying to pawn them off as real uh, or, you know, or just, you know, sort of, uh, stealing a license that doesn't belong to them. So, um, you know, I think emulation is, uh, you know, much more acceptable and, uh, with, with companies like, you know, uh, I guess like Retron, Retron's sort of like an emulation, right? I mean, companies are starting to use uh, emulation to their benefit and to sort of, uh, save these games. It's a good thing, I think. Yeah. And it's, I mean, with the Raspberry Pi now, it's its really blowing up. So it's, you know, it, it's more popular than ever. And I am just kind of happy that it's not like looked down upon as much as yeah. it used to be. So. Well, I, I would rather see some people emulating games than seeing old games just die. You know, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of my thought on it as a, as a retro gamer. Uh, if that makes you happy then do it you know whatever you do gaming wise you know if you if you just want a pc game for the you know and and give up like console gaming that makes you happy that's awesome you know it's it's whatever makes a person happy as far as gaming i don't snub my nose or look down on anyone for the way they game it's just you know i have a preferred way i like to game and somebody else has a preferred way they like to game and that's just the way it is so but anyway uh we got to talk about some new pickups um have you gotten anything recently? Uh, I know you've uh, got your soft modded Wii, so uh, that's fairly that's fairly a new addition. 
Yeah, that definitely counts as a pickup that I haven't talked about. And I, I looked for one for a long time. And it's funny, Wii's are not literally a dime a dozen, but they're very common to find at the thrift stores around me. But they're always like trashed and mm-hmm. just missing all the f- hatches and none of the cables or whatever. <laughs> but I just happened to find one at Savers that like... It had all the cables like neatly tied up and just fastened to it. Like it was just perfect and it was 10 bucks. So uh, I grabbed right that. And um, the funny thing is, it was like, it was perfectly clean. Nothing was missing. No, none of the hatches or anything were missing. I turn it on, it works completely fine. I go to put a disc in it and I can't get the disc in. I hit eject. And out pops a guitar pick and a DVD. <laughs> which an is actual very guitar strange. pick? Yeah, like a guitar pick. And and a DVD, which is strange because Wii's don't play DVDs without any, you know, without being like modified in some way. So well. that was very odd. But once I got those out of there, it was in perfect working conditions so. i bet somebody's kid just shoved that stuff in there and they saw it and they're like oh screw it this thing's dead now i might as well just take it to goodwill or yeah. uh, savers you know could be i don't know yeah maybe i don't it, again it was in very good condition and and what's funny i i was hoping to buy this thing and like like i know my Wii, the one i've had for years has all kinds of you know games on it that i downloaded from the uh the e-shop yeah and to think like oh i wonder if this person like purchased and downloaded any cool games and there was <laughs> absolutely nothing on this Wii. It had, like, you know, the Wii channel and netflix on it it's like oh man these people didn't even use this thing so <laughs> they probably just used it for netflix you know maybe yeah no that's like that could very well be I mean, I know a lot of older people that have done that, you know, just like, um, oh, well, um, I'm going to get a Roku machine because I want to watch Netflix. I mean, like, don't you have a Wii? And like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, well, you can get it on that, really? I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, it's a little aggravating to use the Wii controls to access Netflix. But I mean, if you, you know, our uh, Roku blew out the other day. Uh, so, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I just, uh, hooked up my PS3. Uh, so you'll, you, you probably see me more online now. I'll see you pop up every once in a while, but you probably see me online more now watching, uh, and you know, basically watching some Netflix. Uh, yeah, that's my PS3 is what I use for all my <laughs> video. I watch YouTube on it every single day. So yeah, you, you will see me on there. <laughs> And yeah, the other thing I picked up that I wanted to talk about was this, there's this game called Cosmic Spacehead, and I, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it, it was on the Genesis and the... Yeah, is it Linus Cosmic Spacehead or something like that? Is that I it? believe so, yeah. Okay, and yeah. It, what was funny is I found it in Savers in the toy section with all the like preschool toys, and it was in okay. one, of the, one of the plastic bags that they have just hanging there, yeah. $1.99, so I, I, and I thought... I, I've heard of this before, and I don't know, like, is it rare or worth something? I don't know. Is it Genesis, did you say? The one I got was for uh, Game Gear. It came out on the Genesis oh, as well. Oh, okay, okay, I got a Game okay. Gear copy of it, and it's like okay. this weirdly shaped cartridge and everything. <laughs> so I bought it, and it's actually pretty interesting. I, I kind of feel like it's probably like a rare game because mm-hmm. there haven't been too many sales of it, and the price fluctuates like crazy. Like the price charting chart of it just goes up and down and up and down. So Very cool. I'm, I'm glad I got it because it – 
it sells from anywhere between twelve or like fifty dollars. It's very wow. strange. So. Cool. Is it is it by Codemasters? Isn't that who yeah. put those out? Yeah. 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 And it's an odd game. It's actually like kind of like a point and click adventure. Mm. Looking at it, mm-hmm. you would think it was like a platformer. I guess that's what I thought it was. Mm. But yeah. Um. It came out on Nintendo as well. The oh, NES. Okay. I didn't mm-hmm. even know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was on the one of those uh, like gold carts. Um, mm. but yeah, it, it did come out on the NES as well. Yep. Well, I mean, that, that has to be one of the most interesting, uh, I, I mean, it's not like some blockbuster score or <laughs> even a game that I care about having or playing, but it was very interesting to like, look it up and like, what is this game? I know I've heard of it before, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Very cool, man. There's you know just kind of really odd finds are always kind of fun you know even if they're not worth a whole lot just to find something like kind of uh somewhat rare or just kind of weird is is always uh always nice always makes you feel good you know when you pick it up so yeah cool yeah, true so what do you have what have you grabbed lately well uh i've grabbed a few things um one of the things uh duke from collector cast has been um coming across like you know for years he's been kind of like bringing in um a lot of systems like genesis uh, you know nintendo super nintendo things like that and he's been um he he has this contact that he gets things from and so he takes them completely apart cleans them up really nice boils the pins you know you know just really has some nice stuff and and, and puts it out on his cell thread on rf generation so if you're looking for any systems Definitely want to hit Duke up. Uh, he's got some really nice stuff at some really good prices. Um, and recently, he's been doing a lot more. Um, uh, he's been getting into like maintenance and, and fixing things, things that are broken. So he'll buy like something broken, um, you know, at a cheap price, fix it up, you know, and resell it. Um, you know, he started off like like recapping like some game gears, uh, which you know it, it's an it's an easy thing to do uh, recapping game gears but it is tedious i mean there's tons of caps inside those uh uh consoles and you know they're really known to fail because of that mm-hmm. um but um i think he just he just did a gamecube just now he fi- he fixed a gamecube that wasn't reading disc so yeah, he he's really that. getting into that man and um you know it's a nice little thing for him to do nice little hobby make some extra money to sort of fund his gaming collection and that's sort of his idea behind it um but he came across a uh a twin family and uh i picked that up from him he replaced the belt in it it stopped working he'd cleaned it up and it's just nice buying something from someone who you know has taken it completely apart mm-hmm. cleaned it from head to toe you know like it's you know like it's brand new and uh you know reassembled it put it back together and tested it um but the twin family um for those who don't know it plays regular famicom games and it plays disc system games both um, you know, just kind of like a switch of a button. It's like kind of like that all-in-one console, which is, which is really nice. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I was really stoked to pick that up. And he'll go in game shops every once in a while and kind of shoot. Like there's a, there's a group of us that are on an, an app on RF Generation, and um, he'll just kind of shoot. Oh, I went in this game shop. Is there anything anybody's looking for? And I'm like, yeah, I'll text him a few things I'm looking for. Usually nothing too expensive. And he'll take photos of, you know, sort of what they have that's rare if anybody's looking for it. That's how I got that copy of uh, Valkyrie Profile uh, several months back. Right. Uh, at a really good price. Um, but he came across um, a PS2 game I've been looking for. I've been looking for uh, Raw Danger, which is what he picked up for me. And I've been looking for Disaster Report, which I haven't picked up yet. Uh, so I was really happy about that. And I know you saw it. 
in my uh, pickup thread on Heck Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're pretty excited <laughs> about it. You, you love some PS2. So what's your history with that game? I love those games. The, uh, those games are so unique and amazing. The premise is amazing. The characters are so off the wall. The, it has like this morality choice system that it's very, it's so ahead of its time. It's almost like a Bioware game, like a Mass Effect thing. The mm-hmm. like choice of the dialogue trees in this game. So um, I don't know. We've talked to a lot of people have asked to do it on, on a playthrough and we've been talking about it for a while. So I, I could definitely see that being a future playthrough title, either one of those games. Absolutely. Yeah. We were talking about that before the call. Somebody actually mentioned it on the thread. I think it might've been Dougley who joined us for our last call. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I would totally be down for that. I mean, both games are relatively cheap. I think, Raw Danger was 13 bucks is what he picked it up for me for. And I think Disaster Report's running a little more right now there's people selling it on ebay for like 30 and 35 but recent sales have been like in the 18 to 20 dollar range so i'm just going to kind of wait it out you know it's just not one of those games that a lot of people have uh you know there's just not a lot of them up right now but once you know the the quantity kind of goes up and they put more on ebay then the price will drop down you know somebody will throw one on there as long as i follow so Right. Um, not a game a lot of people are looking for right now, but I'm sure it'll blow up after um, the uh, thousands of listens we get from this podcast. <laughs> That's true. We are, you know, influencers in, in the market, so we'll, we'll have to see what happens. A few other things I picked up... Um, uh, Shadow Kisaragi, I think that's yeah. how he pronounces his name. Um, he's one of our site directors at RF Generation, and uh, he um, kind of got with me and some other people and decided he wanted to maybe unload a few games, um, some heavy hitters, and um, ended up picking up Shining Force CD and Lords of Thunder from him, uh, two very big uh, hitters for the Sega CD, and uh, really happy to have those in my collection. Big Shining Force fan, you know, we played it a few years ago, and... Uh, I, I'm dying to play Shining Force 2, man. I gotta admit. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I really love to see that on a playthrough, you know, sooner than later. But uh, I, I can I can definitely wait. Uh, that uh, was really the first tactical RPG I ever played, and completely fell in love uh, with the characters and with the style of the game. So love to play that again. Uh, Lords of Thunder, awesome. of course, is a uh, kind of a shooter shmup, and uh, again one of the pricier games on the system, but. Uh, is one I was uh, definitely looking to pick up, and so really happy to have both games in my collection now, and I really appreciate it, Shadow, if you're listening. Um, nice. And then my final pickup uh, was something that followed me home from the beach <laughs> on my 40th birthday. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, I got a new crab? pinball machine. <laughs> oh, man. No, not a hermit crab. That's <laughs> that's cruel and unusual punishment, but... <laughs> Uh, my wife did ask me if I wanted a hermit crab for my birthday as a joke. So while we were down there, uh, uh, I said, no, I'll take a, a big Johnson t-shirt though. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there's some, there's something so smarmy about the beach. What is it? I don't know. I, I can't man. figure it out. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I picked up a, uh, a buddy of mine, um, down around the coast, uh, had put a pinball machine for sale. Um, on a, a pinball website, a, kind of a local one that I'm a member of, and I had actually sold this guy his first pinball machine ever and kind of gotten him into the hobby. And it was a project, but I had, you know, sold it to him for a really, really good price, and he fixed it up and learned a lot. And so we've kind of kept in touch over the years, and I, I don't see him much because he is on the coast, but he put up a machine, and I was like, 
what a coincidence. Like, you put it up this week, and at the end of this week, I'm going down to the beach, so I'm going to pick it up. Um, and, uh, you know, I had a little talk with the wife, and of course, being my birthday and everything, she didn't give me too much crap for it. Uh, and uh, I picked up a project game uh, called Gorgar from uh, 1979. Uh, it's, uh, it's actually the first machine uh, that actually had uh, speech in it. So oh, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's a Williams machine. It's really cool. It's uh, just uh, the theme is just kind of a devil. It's just got a huge devil on the back glass, and these uh, this guy and this girl like fending off and fighting this devil. And that's sort of the uh, the premise of it. So uh, this is going to be my uh, my spring project. Uh, I like to have like a little spring project. It starts to get warmer. Can open up the garage and you know have a beer or two and uh, work on a pinball machine. So. Uh, it's, uh, it's always a nice feeling to bring something back from the dead and get it going. This one's uh, got a nice play field, decent back glass, but uh, it's it's uh, it's got a lot going on with it. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll have that up and running. I can post some pictures on Twitter. So, and and I know it's not a new pickup, but you mentioned uh, you're watching an old show now. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got to talk we... about it, man. It's great. <laughs> No, yeah, we were talking about this before we went on the air, and we thought we had to mention it. Uh, so they put the original episodes of Unsolved Mysteries on Amazon Prime. So the first uh, season is on. It's 24 episodes, so it's a lot of content. You know, I'm I'm only like 10 episodes into it, but man, it's it's it holds up so well for a show that. <laughs> Could be like you can look at a show from the late '80s, early '90s, and they don't—they tend to not hold up well, especially something like this, which is like documentary style. But mm. there's something about this this show and the presentation of it, and even though it's reenacted, like they're really well done. And of course, Robert Stack, the legendary, <laughs> yeah, uh, Robert Stack, <laughs> and is the host of the show, and. I mean, it's just something that people of my generation have grown up with, and I'm, I've talked to a lot of people around <laughs> our age who are watching it and very <laughs> excited about it. And man, it's just so creepy. Like, when I was a kid, it scared the hell out of me, and now it still scares the hell out of me. I can't even believe, like, the one night I watched a whole three or four episodes in a row, and I was scared to turn off the lights in my house, like literally. <laughs> I, I can't believe I felt that way, but that's like the effect that this show had on me. It's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah man. I, I think that's one of those shows where just the intro music is creepy. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, it, it oh, just yeah. sets the tone for like the entire thing. And just even today, like hearing that music... It just kind of puts a chill on me. I mean, I could put that in a Halloween mix and just creep people out. You know, when they hear, like, mm -hmm. you know, like an older people in the party be like, is that Unsolved Mysteries? I'm like, oh, <laughs> man, yeah, they used to creep me out. So I may have to sneak it into a Halloween mix next year. Just the there theme song from that. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I would love to watch that. And unfortunately, I don't have Amazon Prime. I need to get that. Um I don't know why I don't. I guess I'm just trying to hold on to going to stores still or something. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but with a <laughs> but with a baby, man, I, I should be you know buying diapers and everything else off of there. That's what uh, some of my coworkers do, and they're like, man, they just show up at your door. It's great. And I'm just like, I don't know. So yeah, it's funny. I guess they're like, I have a friend of mine who was like, oh, I don't have Amazon Prime. I just don't buy a lot of stuff on Amazon, and I'm like. 
dude, like I buy everything off of Amazon. Yeah, yeah, like, I know. A lot of people do now. I buy food off of there. Like, it's it's weird. I guess some people either like are an Amazon person or not, or somewhere yeah. in between, I guess. But it, it was just funny to hear that. Like, that's that's part of my life. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, it, it totally makes sense, too. I mean, it'd probably make my life so much easier, you know. Instead of like me having to deal with three screaming kids while my wife goes to the grocery store. So, yeah. Mm. I just want to plug that Instagram page that I made. So, oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I decided to, I just noticed that when I have a personal Instagram and I noticed that every time I posted something video game related, it got way more action than like pictures of my cats <laughs> or any other stupid pictures that I took. So I decided to make an Instagram account, and it's at Grey Ghost Games. And uh, man, I've just been having a lot of fun with it. And if you haven't like seen, I put it in my forum signature, so a lot of people have seen it already. Yeah. But if you're hearing this and you don't mind giving me a follow and checking me out, I I post screenshots or box art, and that's basically it. I'll pull something out of my collection randomly, put a little blurb about it, and post a nice picture i try to post every day uh, you know between one or four pictures every day so um i would appreciate any kind of feedback or following or sharing or whatever so it's at gray ghost games cool man yeah and i, I hear like that's really the way if you're a collector Instagram tends to be the way that you're going to pick up a lot of stuff you you have a lot of people like follow you they see pictures they know like you know, Facebook, I think I have friends and stuff that know I'm into video games and pinball and stuff like that. But if, you know, if you have an account and you have people that follow you and that's all you post about, then more people are going to contact you about, oh, I have this for sale. You think you might want it and, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. And um, I think, you know, I know uh, Will Watts, um, he's, you know, said, oh, yeah, you know, Instagram, um, you know, it, it's been awesome. I, I get so many followers, you know, people are just interested. I can't believe how many people are interested or just, you know, in the things that I pick up. And, you know, I think it's led to some, you know, fairly decent scores for him as well. So, very cool, man. Well, good luck with that. Thanks. Yeah. So, I, I did want to mention um, Art Generation is now doing its annual site fundraiser. Um, we always do this in February, just through the month. And, you know, the purpose of this fundraiser really is to keep the site going. Or if Generation is, um, if, if anybody's a member, it's free. It's completely free to join. There's no pop-ups, you know, no other type of advertising on our site. It's just us. And it's a database where you can plug in your collection, what you own. You can put um, whether you have the manual, whether you have the box, you know, whether you have the game. Um, you know, we have an app that you can follow on and you can check your collection when you're out. Um, and it's just a really nice resource and database. And there's a lot of people, um, including myself and uh, you, Sean, who uh, put a lot of time into the site, you know, whether it's um, writing articles or, uh, you know, editing articles like I do for everything that goes up on the front page. Um, to the people behind the scenes that really, you know, run our database and keep everything in line um, and approve submit uh, submissions. Uh, the site um, I hadn't mentioned, but everything that's on the site, all the information we have has been submitted uh, by users of our site. And so it, it everything belongs to the site so that everyone who's a member feels like a part of the community. You know, you're a piece of the community mm -hmm. because you're a part of it because you've donated something to it. And we don't charge for that. But 
it's not free to run a website. And so, right. <laughs> you know, and, that, and you know, that's the reality of it. And we, we hate having to ask for money, but at the same time, it has to somehow be paid for. And so we just ask that people donate and, you know, a few bucks is great. Um, you know, you don't have to donate a lot. You know, we're really just working to pay for our server costs and that's it. And if we can, you know, maybe, um, help out with uh, some of our events we, we've started to be like one of the sponsors at retro world expo and so you know we have to pay for advertising as far as uh buying a table there to be a sponsor uh, you know putting ourselves in the program and stuff like that and so you know kind of spreading the word of the site so you know your donation not only goes to helping the site stay alive but to help other people find the site and enjoy it as much as you do and so um you know, it's just uh, sort of my uh, soapbox stance here. Um, I'm very involved in the site, and uh, you know, any member can be you know as involved as they want to in, in helping the site out. And uh, we appreciate any donations, and look forward to a uh, another successful fun drive this year. Very nice, very well put, and I think you know, I I mean. I've been a user of this site for however many years, and it's really a big part of my life. And yeah. you know, I, I don't even use a lot of the features of the site. I mean, I'm I think <laughs> yeah. it's like a notorious little. You know, it's the worst kept secret on the site that I don't have. I don't use the database. Like I've never submitted <laughs> anything, and I don't have my collection on there. But there's yeah. so many other things that you can do. You can read the front page articles. You can. Mm-hmm use the forum i've you know i've bought and sold and traded all kinds of stuff with people you can you know look at the small scores thread there's all kinds of other fun uh threads that we do so even if you're like me and you don't feel like cataloging your collection or doing any database submissions there's there's so much utility to this website that you know we we need um we need the support to to keep everything going and there's something something here for everybody who has even a passing interest in video games i think yeah you can find our podcast on the site uh collector cast is um you know part of the site you know we have forums where you can talk about the games and um you know another thing the site does is we do the uh, monthly playthroughs right I mean, that's that's hosted on the site. It's where we mm-hmm. actually talk about the games as a group. And so if you're enjoying this podcast, and um, we hope you are, um, come to the site and join us in the monthly playthroughs as well. It's free. It's a, it's a free site to join and, uh, you know, get involved in the discussions. And, you know, who knows, uh, you know, maybe some things that you talk about or say about a game will, uh, you know, end up in our podcast or Maybe you'll even end up on our podcast, right? <laughs> we we, yeah. we love having uh, we love having our members on the show.
so I was the host this month, and uh, I wanted, once again, as I was the host January of last year, I wanted to pick something that would really, you know, light people up and get people involved in the playthrough. So I went for, first and foremost, the Nintendo console. And <laughs> <laughs> that always helps, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> um, so I, I chose the secret of, um, or it's not the secret, it's secret of mana on yeah. uh, the Super NES. And I was excited about it because this is a game I've heard so much about over the years and I've never played it. And I grabbed my own copy of the game in a trade that I did a couple of years ago that I was very pleased with. So mm -hmm. it's been sitting there waiting for me to play it. So I figured now was the time. So uh, Yeah, I was really pumped. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people were excited about it. Um, and I have friends who, I have so many friends who grew up playing this game. It's kind of surprising, almost as much as like the Zelda games. Um, mm -hmm. I know people who played Secret, Secret of Mana growing up, so it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, so a little bit about this game. It, it was released in 1993. It's part of the Seiken Densetsu uh, series of games, which was a spin-off from the Final Fantasy games. The first Seiken Densetsu was on the Game Boy, and mm -hmm. it was released in North America as the Final Fantasy Adventure. Um, and Seiken Densetsu 2 came out in North America as Secret of Mana. Uh, mm -hmm. The third game was only released on the Super Famicom. You can play it if you want to via a fan patch that has been around forever. Um, if you have the Retron 5, you, as we've discussed before on the show, you can uh, mm -hmm. language patch your games, uh, and there's plenty of resources of how to do that on the internet. Yeah, and people uh, are making uh, translated cards of this game, too. Oh, yeah, reproduction card, of course, yeah, is yeah. another route to go. Um, yeah, they're, they're plentiful, believe me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, that's probably one of the most popular ones out there, now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we played Secret of Mana, and our participants were myself, uh, Floyd, uh, you, Rich, uh, Dougley007, Noise Redux, and Raidu. So, interestingly enough, we thought, um, and, and I never want to sound ungrateful because I love doing <laughs> these playthroughs and I, Rich, I don't care if it's just me and you playing these games or, you know, like me and you and Floyd or whoever. Um, right. But it was just kind of surprising to me uh, that we didn't have the, the blockbuster month that I thought we were going to have. How, having no, said I, that, the quality of the, the discussion was great, as usual, but it was just kind of weird. Like, I thought uh, people would come running for this. Yeah, so. yeah, me too. I mean, I, that's what I thought. I, we, we always try to kick the year off with the um, popular title. If you remember last year, uh, you kicked it off with Super Mario 3 and Super Mario World, which was a huge success, obviously. You know, it's a, yeah. kind of a no-brainer that that's going to work. And so we thought, what's another title we can do that... A lot of people will participate in and uh, Secret of Mana was that title so we thought and like you said I mean it, it doesn't matter to me um, whether you have just a few people playing it and have like a little tight discussion or if you have a lot of people playing it and you know have a big discussion of the game <clears throat> it's always nice but yeah it is rather surprising sometimes at the numbers when you 
when you sort of look at it. And comparatively, and we were talking about on the call, um, you know, in February we're playing Murdered Soul Suspect, and <laughs> I thought that was <laughs> I thought that's pretty crazy, right? That uh, we're we're getting like a lot of buzz for that game, and you know, that was a game that I had picked up at one point several months ago. I looked at the back of it, and I'm like, oh, this seems interesting. I've never heard of it before, and now we've you know. Um, the influx of people like playing this game is uh, has been quite surprising, and I think we'll have a um, uh, a good discussion on the forums this month, February. Yeah, for sure. It's always fun how it, it, we can never predict how a game is going to do on <laughs> Absolutely. any given month. It's very, it's strange, and it's awesome. I love it. Yeah, so we take recommendations, but I think we ultimately we we just pick what we want to play, you know, because the three of us have to play it every month. So it's like, right. well, it, it's nice of you to to send a suggestion, and we appreciate it, and we will definitely consider it. But at the same time, we know that the three of us have to play it, so you know, we're gonna pick something we want to play, obviously, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So. I mean, this game, I, I don't have it. Like I said, I don't have any kind of history with it. I, I did a little bit of research. It's very interesting how the game kind of almost didn't ca- come out at all. It was nearly canceled, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of problems with the development, and um, they had a, a really uh, tough time n- localizing it in time because the crew, uh, the writers in Japan kept doing rewrites of it, so... It's yeah. all. It's a very interesting story how it was, it was, it was developed, um, but somehow it has become this classic RPG. And it, I mean, as far as I was concerned before playing it and looking into it, this game is r- regarded so highly that I yeah. just kind of visualized it, you know, right next to the likes of Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger and all all those other legendary games. Sure. Uh, did you did you feel the same way uh, before going into it, or? Absolutely. Um, you know, this is a game I did not play growing up. Um, had really never heard of the game um, until I started collecting, um, and had always, like you said, I mean, heard so much about the game, how great it was. Had known like a lot of people that had, you know, mentioned playing it uh, when it came out, and. Um, you know, knew obviously that it was one of those games um, that was different in that, you know, three people could play this game at the, at the same time mm-hmm. if you had the multi-tap. Um, and it seems like there's a lot of people that grew up doing that. And that just, I don't know, that, that kind of like baffles me that that was, you know, something that was a thing around that time. I, I don't remember that. I mean, of course I remember like having a multi-tap, playing like NBA Jam and playing sports games, but mm-hmm. when I think of RPGs, I always think of that as a very solo experience, you yeah, know? totally. It was, it's been very surprising to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and so... friends around the same age, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I never played this when I was younger, so I'm no. sorry, go ahead. No, and I was just going to say, you know, the big thing for me, I'd never played Secret of Evermore either, and we played it just over a year ago. Um, it was um, uh, November 2015, and um, I really enjoyed that game. So um, you know, there was a lot of discussion on the forums, oh, well, you know, we need to play Secret of Mana sometime, and I'm just like, well, yeah, yeah, we definitely need to do that. You know, I enjoyed Secret of Evermore so much, you know, we, we definitely need to do that, because those games those two games even though 
similar in some ways and, and not completely alike, which we'll discuss later, um, mm. are often compared very heavily, right? There's the camps, you know, which one's better? And so, um, you know, I, I wanted, I was really excited when you announced this playthrough because I wanted to, you know, see, yeah, there's there's so much hype around Secret of Mana as being one of the best RPGs on the Super Nintendo, which is saying a lot because there are some great RPGs on that system. It, it might be the best system for RPGs of all time. I mean, debatable, right? I mean, PS1, PS2 has some great RPGs as well, but, um, yeah. you know, I, I was I was really looking forward to this game. Awesome. Well, let's let's just jump right into the story. Um, sure. It's it's not really a deep story. It's not a this mm-hmm. grand kind of saga that we are used to in some of our RPGs that we've played. I think it it's more akin to something like Illusion of Gaia that has this kind of like one note quest and mm-hmm. story. But anyway, yeah. you, you play as a character named Randy. And in the beginning of the, the game, you're out in the woods with some friends of yours and you fall down this waterfall and you end up pulling a sword out of a stone. Um, <laughs> Excalibur. And, yeah, yeah kind of like that. And um, that kind of unleashes monsters onto the world. And your is it your family in the beginning or just people that you live with? They, yeah. they kick you out of the village. You get banished from the village for doing this you know kind of horrible thing by unleashing these monsters onto the world so you meet this knight uh named Gemma who uh tells you that you have the mana sword and you need to uh re-energize the mana sword by getting all the mana seeds and Mm -hmm. uh generally from there you you go from temple to temple trying to find these mana seeds and Mm -hmm. a lot of times they've been stolen or moved as as (laughs) You so eloquently noted in, <laughs> yeah. in the chat or the forums. Um, so it does become a little bit of a wild goose chase. But once you re-energize the sword, you can defeat the mana beast. I, is that what it's called? The mana beast at the end of yes, the, the final it. boss? Mm-hmm. Yep. So once you do that, save the day, save the world. And that's pretty <laughs> much it. I mean, there's there's side stories and everything. and. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are funny and interesting, but yeah, that's that's the whole story in a nutshell. So yeah, it, it's not a it's not a heavy story game, like you said. I think where you get the most of the story in the game is um, sort of the prologue that shows up, you know, before you start the game, before you press start. There's sort of a prologue that explains like what's kind of happened in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's basically saying, you know, that the um, you know, the Mana Fortress was built a long time ago. The gods became upset about it through, like, beasts onto the world. And, you know, the fortress was destroyed. And, you know, the, there's this whole sort of legend behind it, you know, that becomes this sort of um, Arthurian tale, if you will. You know, pulling the sword out of the stone and becoming sort of the, you know, savior of the world. Um, so it's sort of heavily story-driven in the beginning, with the with the sort of the prologue and with the setup, but you know, and I think like you mentioned, it's just not um, the game's not story driven. You're just kind of bouncing from place to place, and oh, you know, you find out you have to collect the mana seeds. Oh, somebody's stolen the seed. Drat, let's chase that down. Let's go to a cave. 
Oh, let's go to a temple. Mm-hmm. Let's get another one. Oh, you know, somebody's in trouble. You know, one of the, you know, guardians of the mana seeds in trouble. Got to go save them. And, you know, it's just sort of this sort of back and forth, you know, and it, and it you know, it, it feels, it feels like there's, you know, there's, there's a lot missing, you know, in the game story wise. And, um, luckily, um, you, you were making the outline before the show today and, uh, you sent me a video, uh, from a guy, uh, who does videos called high level reviews. Uh, if you haven't yeah. checked them out, uh, I, I can't suggest these videos enough. Uh, they're fantastic. I ended up watching a few of them today. Uh, uh, and uh, The Secret of Mana. And uh, one of the things that the guy pointed out, I'm not going to you know, say everything that he talked about, but that um, in the development of this game, basically this was sort of the time where Nintendo and Sony were trying to work together right mm-hmm. yeah. uh and and to come up with a a console together and uh they were developing this game at the time and they had like high ideals for it a lot of story and then it kind of fell apart and Sony said we're going to go do our thing cuz we want to do CD based games and Nintendo said no we're just going to keep doing what we do and be Nintendo and uh so they had to rush this game out like you mentioned before and about 40% of the story to this game, uh, the original story to this game that was planned, you know, for a disc, uh, is missing. And so they sort of had to do the best they could with what they had in a very, very short time period. And, uh, you know, knowing that puts a really different perspective, at least for me, on this. I mean, I was, you know, fairly disappointed in the story. Um, but, uh, you know, having known that and, and know what kind of constraints they were under, I can, you know, I don't know about you, but I feel a little differently about it now. Yeah, you can, you can forgive it, basically. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm with you totally. I, I feel like, and the, the YouTuber that you mentioned, even, you know, he said, like, you, it's, it's amazing that they were able to slap together a coherent story, even if yeah, it wasn't, yeah. like, an amazingly deep story. Uh, at least it's there, and at least you can follow it. So, uh, yeah, knowing what a, what a rocky development the, the game had, you can kind of excuse the fact that this is not Final Fantasy VI, basically. Yeah, so. <laughs> absolutely. Um. Yeah, uh, so we have um, some the main characters of the game. You have three player characters in your party, and that's your party for the entire game is the same Mm -hmm. three characters. Uh, They're typically known as the boy, the girl, and the sprite. Um, They do have default names. The boy's name is Randy, the girl is Prim, and the sprite is Popoy. Now, are these default names, or was the, I don't know if you know, was the Jap, these were the names in the Japanese version, and, you know, is that the case, or was, do you know know if the Japanese versions? I think you're you're right to call me out on that. I I think I misspoke when I I say default names. Uh Um, I think I'm just going off what I've seen on the internet so many times, Mm -hmm. because I actually, um, I renamed them. You know, I named the boy Sean, and then I named uh, <laughs> <laughs> I Banana. Had, <laughs> nice. And you know what's funny? Just a quick aside. I kept thinking of the boy in my head as Will because of Illusion of Gaia. It, oh, it just yeah, kept yeah. popping into my head. Oh, Will. Like, get out of the way, Will. But <laughs> I don't know. It's just because <laughs> of that game. But um, it, funny enough, I didn't 
realize that the sprite was male, so I saw him as female. Uh-huh. Like I, I did too. I didn't realize that. But yeah. uh, funny enough, I named him after my son because I named the girl after my daughter because she has blonde hair okay. and the, you know typically wears it in a ponytail. And then I named the. I was like, well, I've got another one, so I have to name it after my son, or he's gonna get pissed you know so <laughs> so but i didn't realize it was a boy i thought you know it was a girl too i mean you know cool well now i don't feel so stupid um because i i actually named the sprite and the girl after two of my favorite female pop singers i named the sprite marina for marina and the diamonds and i named the uh-huh. girl grimes so <laughs> i had my little my little entourage of me and my two of my favorite pop singers at my party so <laughs> That's awesome. And then uh, just the other two like most main characters in, in the game are Gemma, the knight who kind of guides you throughout the game, and Dyluck, who is the girl's uh, kind of love interest, who is yes. the... He's like the MacGuffin in the game. He's the one... He's being uh, manipulated by the, the main uh, bad guy in the game, Thanatos, who is trying yeah. to manipulate the powers of the mana seed or whatever it, mm-hmm. this is where it gets a little bit convoluted and there's a lot of stuff i'm not going to be able to remember because i played the game like a month <laughs> ago but whatever you can throw in here um if anything but that that's that's <laughs> those are our main characters yeah no i mean i think you hit it on the head i mean you know thanatos is a you know Again, you know, for world domination and requiring uh, acquiring all the mana seeds and and that that sort of thing, and so, you know, almost uh, destroying the world. And I think I mentioned to you that um, uh, really cool sprite art on Thanatos. I mean, it looks like you know very skeletal, very cool. It'd be an awesome tattoo to get, you know. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, very very cool looking. There's some fantastic sprite work in this game. Um, uh, all, all the characters I'm just playing on my CRT TV. Um, it, it's, it's a very, very beautiful game. Um, you know, the, the colors in the game are just unbelievable, you know, just vivid and, and very beautiful. So, totally. um, they, they did a great job with that. So no complaints in that department at all. But, all uh, right. but yeah, like I said, um, I, I named the boy Banana. Uh, the girl I named uh, my daughter's name, and the the sprite I named my son's name. And um, they were watching me play it from the beginning and um, having a lot of fun. My daughter, as she usually does, is interested for a while and then falls out. Uh, but my son actually watched me play this entire game, if you can believe that. That's pretty awesome. Now, yeah. I think we discussed this a little bit in our messaging, but you couldn't get either one of them to to jump in with you? Oh, there's or? no way I was go- there's no way in hell I was going to let them. I'm too much of a control freak. Are you right, kidding me? me why. I think I'll like let, the, I I let mean, them mess up my game. Come on, man. Well, I mean, <laughs> all right. So this game is pretty easy for the most part. And I mean, the, the, the I got to say, I'd rather have your kids playing with me than one of the friendly AI in this game. I mean... <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, I well, don't have I, I don't know. cats, you know, playing with a controller like catnip <laughs> on it. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's It can be complicated, man. Like, for a kid, like, that menu system can be complicated. And, you know, your other two characters are basically casters. Right. Is what, you know, what we should talk about. Your your main character is basically sort of like your tank and kind of your heavy hitter uh, melee character. Um, while is, um 
the girl or prim is your uh, basically your healer, right? That's that's what I would consider her. She does have a few attack damage spells, but not much. Nothing you ever use. You primarily use her to fight um, and to heal. Uh, and then the sprite is your your heavy caster. That's yeah. that's your damage dealer right there. And so yeah, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not my, my eight and five year old are not, <laughs> they're not gonna be casting man. It's oh, yeah, crazy. there's there's no way. That's fine. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Yeah, so as we get into like kind of the gameplay discussion, I feel like this is going to be the meat of the discussion because it is so like rich and dense with details as far as gameplay goes. So mm -hmm. I feel like I should disclose at this point because we did talk about using cheats in games earlier. Um, I played the game on original hardware. I, I do have the uh, cart, as I said, I played it on and. Uh, an original Super Nintendo, but I also used an original Super Nintendo Game Genie because, <laughs> um, to be quite honest, early in the game, or not even early in the game, but about four or five hours into the game, I got to Spike Tiger, uh, Spiky Tiger yeah. uh, boss battle, and man, I was just ripping my hair out doing it, so... I popped on the Game Genie, I turned on one-hit kills, and th that's the only code I used was one-hit kills throughout the entire game. I didn't <laughs> uh, use save states or anything else, obviously, because it's original hardware, but um, I did use that one cheat and kind of wrote it out for the whole game, so uh, it obviously affected my experience, as we will talk about um, mm -hmm. gameplay mechanics, but I just yeah. wanted to kind of throw that out there, that... I, I wish I didn't have to do that, and I wish I didn't get kind of hooked on it once I started doing it. But once I started playing that way, I really couldn't go back. It was yeah. oddly satisfying in a way, even though it really changed the game. Um, I just I did what I did, and I, <laughs> you know, I don't regret it uh, yeah. in any major way. But uh, Yeah, well, I think we should talk about that. I mean, like... I think you bring up a good point in this. Secret of Mana is one of those games where there's like this somewhat difficult fight early on, uh, yeah. and it's like, am I gonna, am I gonna have to experience the rest of the game like this? I think um, uh, Illusion of Gaia was like that too. There was a really difficult fight early on in that game, um, and for whatever reason, that that happens a lot in RPGs. And I don't, I don't know why that is, um, but it, it it is kind of a shame because I feel like if you would have gotten through that one fight, the rest of the fights in the game aren't as bad. And I'll tell you why: because immediately after that fight, you get magic, right? Right. I mean, right. that is that is a fight that like you you only have melee weapon during that fight, and so mm -hmm. it is tough, and it's. One of those situations is that old school RPG where you have to sort of, uh, you have to overheal. You have to buy a lot of items. I was always made sure that I was always stocked up on, um, you know, healing potions and things of that nature. I can't even remember what the healing thing was in this game. Oh, candy um, and chocolate. And walnut too, right? Wasn't Or was the walnut for magic? Uh, I think, yeah, the walnut was, was okay. Yeah. MP. You're right, you're right. Candy and chocolate were the two um, healing items in this game. And so, without magic, you basically had to, like, spam healing items, and it was tough. And, you know, this enemy jumps around, hits pretty hard, you know, for an earlier enemy. 
And so it is a very frustrating fight. I did not beat it on my first try, but I did, you know, beat it on my second try. Yeah. Um, you know, it's there's a little bit of a learning curve in the fight, um, you know, and uh, but like I said, you know, without any healing spells and things like that, it, it is like one of those sort of early on, like overly difficult fights. And um, yeah, I, I feel like if if that wouldn't have been the case, then and, and the fights have gotten like and the fights had gotten like sort of progressively harder through the game, I think you would have been able to ride it out and you would have been all right. But I, I can completely understand, um, you know, why you would have done that uh, during that yeah. fight. So I think a lot of it just had to do with, um, you know, the schedule that I put myself on and hosting mm-hmm. duties. And I really wanted to be way further along in the game than I mm-hmm. was. And yep. Yep. the frustration was really starting to get to me. And, uh, you know, like I said, I did what I did, and, and you can't, I can't take it back. So well, but. and 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 like we always say, you know, with these playthroughs, the thing is to enjoy them. You know, it's it, you play it how you enjoy it. Yeah, and that's it doesn't, exactly it doesn't, what I was going to say next. Yeah, is that yeah. once I did that, I felt like liberated in a way where I was still playing the game and ex- experiencing the story and going through the the world and the maps and and doing everything. But I was just having so much more fun. I felt so much more yeah. in control. And once sure. you also told me about uh, tweaking the AI to be more aggressive, I yeah. was just feeling like a you know, gangster just running around <laughs> smashing everybody. And it, and it turned out to be awesome. So, yeah. yeah, I've said it before. Like The game is there to please me. And you can judge me all you want for using cheats, but I had a hell of a time after I turned them on. So Yeah. Well, you know, if you if you're gonna judge you, you got to judge Nintendo for uh, working out a contract with Galoob to make Game Genies, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you brought up another good point. So let's you know kind of move to that. Is that the whole AI? You know, you have three characters, and if you're playing by yourself, um, you're kind of hoping that the AI is good in the game, which it's really not that great. To be honest, they're not as attacking as much as you would like them to. Right. Most people aren't going to pick up a complete copy of Secret of Mana. It, it's it's a pricey game, you know, and you're not going to have the manual. So if you're going to take the time to look it up online and read it, then maybe you'll figure out you can adjust that setting. And like you said, you were frustrated with it. And I was like, well, wait a minute, maybe he doesn't know. And, mm. and the only way that I knew is because I played Secret of Evermore. And it has the same thing, has the same setup. You have a companion who's a dog, and you can kind of set it up to make him you know, as aggressive as you want him to be. Because I knew that, you know, I had adjusted, you know, my characters to be not the top aggressive, but second tier down aggressive. Because I I still want to be able to play the game. I don't want them running ahead of me and attacking, you know, taking something out first thing. I still want to be a part of the game. And I don't want them to take too much damage to where I have to just keep healing them, you know, uh, because they're overly aggressive. Right, Um, right. But uh, my biggest problem with the AI was probably the um, the walking. And I think someone mentioned this on the site. Sometimes they get stuck. Like when you go down steps or a platform, they don't follow you. Yeah. Or like when you're trying to avoid enemies, some points of the game, it's best just to avoid enemies because they're basically the only way to take them out is to cast magic. And you need to conserve your magic for the end boss. And so you try to run around them and they just want to sit there and attack the whole time. And so that's that's kind of aggravating as well. 
Yeah, very true. I, I believe it was Dougley that brought that up. That uh, yeah, you know about the the friendlies getting stuck, especially in the uh, haunted forest near the mm. beginning of the game. Man, they yeah. got stuck in those like rose bushes so much. It was yeah, very annoying. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, again, the default mode for them is pretty much they do almost nothing yes once you told me i put them to like max aggression and they were just like i said just running around regulating you know like (laughs) just going nuts and it was awesome so yeah that that also really changed the game for me so I guess we should say it is a real-time battle system. Yeah. Uh, if we yeah. haven't made that completely obvious, mm-hmm. the gimmick, if you want to call it that, is it's a it has like a recharge to it. So yeah, you're not supposed to just kind of run in and go hacking and slash. The technique that the, I think the developers want you to use is to kind of strike and then back off, wait for your recharge, then strike again and back off, and so mm-hmm. on. Uh, if you're doing one-shot kills, you can just obviously run in and, and hack up everybody and makes the game different, but uh, like I said, still a lot of fun. You can, on the fly, switch between any of the three characters, so it's not yep. like you don't have to be Randy the whole game. You, I played most of the game as Prim, actually, because, mm-hmm. as we know, I like to play as female characters, so I yep. gave her the best weapon, and I run ran around and played as her for most of the game. Yeah. Um, and like you said, there's a lot of strategy involved based on jumping between the characters and using each Absolutely. one's strengths, the magic types and everything. So, Yeah, there's, um, especially in, in boss battles, I think it's it's good. Like you said, you can toggle between the characters by um, basically by pressing select on your controller. And what that allows you to do, there, there's some battles where there's um, some charging enemies or enemies that will attack and stun you, uh, which is really aggravating. Yes. <laughs> um, but if you switch characters, then while your other character's stunned, you can continue to attack, and which is really awesome. And the other thing you can do is if you have a character that's stunned, you can switch characters and heal as well, which is fantastic. I really like that in the game, um, and I think it's a, a fantastic addition for a... Um, you know, a real-time strategy battle system. You know, it, it adds just a different layer to the game that uh, I really, really enjoyed. Yeah, awesome. So let's get into some of the weapons. One of the great things about this game, I thought, is that mm-hmm. every character can use every weapon, which yep. you don't see a lot mm-hmm. in RPGs. Everything tends to be very specialized or specific yeah. to certain characters. It's usually and, very D and D based, right? You know, yeah, that Dungeons and, some, and Dragons, like yeah. I, I think sometimes you have to wonder, like, is it just thematic? Okay, so I guess you don't want like your rogue thief using a gigantic battle axe. That wouldn't really yeah. make sense in like the the sense of the lore or whatever. Right. I, I think like I wish more games were like this, where like there's just this like <laughs> arsenal of weapons, and any character can use any one of them. It's it's really yeah. awesome. So and and the weapons. Um, they level up per character by using mm-hmm. them, but also they can be upgraded and they change to different, like different weapons of the same type. 
right? So yeah, um, yeah. Your boomerang gets turns into a super boomerang, and then a chrome boomerang, and then a glaive, and then something <laughs> else, and all these crazy yeah. shapes. And they change the way they look, and the menu changes, and they look really cool. So yeah, I think uh, we were mentioning that uh, Arthurian legend before, and I think at one point your sword becomes Excalibur. That's yeah, right. And then, the of course, the, levels, uh, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, I think your, your highest tier of your sword, and I'm not sure if this is true or not, because I think you can actually get some orb drops in the last, uh, the last area. There's actually orbs that mm. drop randomly. Oh, um, okay. but, but, uh, I think the top tier sword that I got was like the Mazamune, which shows up in oh, video okay. games, especially RPGs all the time. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really cool, and and I like that too. Is like you're not actually like leveling up a weapon, but you're basically leveling up. You you are leveling up a weapon because you're getting it um, uh, forged, right? You you find a guy in the game named Watts, who actually upgrades yeah. and forges your weapons when you find a orb. Uh, but they also level your skill levels per per character, so you can't just use like um, like a sword with your main character. And expect it to level up for like one of your other characters. They have to use it as well, and so yeah. they they have different categories of where their skill levels up. So that's really cool. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, and with these weapons, you can do actually a charged attack where you can hold down the the attack button and charge up an attack that can go up to. I think it's seven layers of leveling. Yeah, it's like but, seven or eight layers. It's as high as the weapon level goes. Oh, yeah. okay. That's what it is. Yeah. And to, to yeah. me, I mean, even when I was playing the game legitimately before I plugged in the game, Genie, these thing, the charging up was like completely useless to me. I don't know if you felt the same way, but um, I yeah. like never used it. It's kind of silly, and especially like... There's a there's a lot of characters who have very high evasion, so charging mm-hmm. it up and just waiting and for it to take so long and then just to miss, it's really aggravating. I mean, the, the only thing I would wait for it to do is to charge to 100. percent You know, like you said, like the normal, you know, the normal strong attack. And right. um, you know, even a lot of times charging it up, it it wasn't that huge of a difference as far as how much damage it would cause. I could usually get in two regular attacks quicker. And, um, you know, do more damage than I could have charged attack. So, I don't yeah, know. Absolutely. I, I, like the, I like the thought process. I do. And I think that that was done better in Secret of Evermore. Because in Secret of Evermore, uh, your, your charged attack allows you to throw the weapon. Uh, so oh, okay. that that's kind of nice. Like your spear, it becomes a throwing weapon. You kind of use it as a melee at first, but when you charge it up to two, I think it's level two, uh, you can actually throw the weapon. You know, there, there's a little bit more method behind the, the madness, you know, and it becomes a ranged weapon, and that's a little nice effect that they added when they did that game, as opposed to um, the way the weapon leveling system goes in Secret of Mana. You mentioned Secret of Evermore, and that game had... Uh, something that was unique to Secret of Mana at the time, the first game to use the radial menu system in a square mm-hmm. RPG. Yep. So um, it's some people love it, some people hate it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was pretty neat, something different. Uh, and after you get used to it, like I can see why people don't like it, but it's not something Absolutely. that you would just not like forever. You can you can get used to it, and I feel like I just got used to it, and after a while, it becomes second nature as you're playing and it's not 
it's not real time. You're you're you are pausing the game and going through a menu. It'd be cool. Like a lot of modern games, you pull a trigger and it brings up like a weapon menu, and then you just select your menu or select yeah, your weapon yeah. and let go of the trigger, kind of thing. I think that would have worked very well for this game, but it just was not something that existed at the time. Um, yeah. But it it's it was innovative. This this radio menu as it is yep. in the game was, was this was the first time they used it ended up using it in a few other games including secret of evermore uh i i'm guessing that you are a fan of it rich but uh yeah. what do you think yeah definitely a fan um again um my first experience with it was through secret of evermore i did not like it when i played that game um, you know, through the first several hours of the game, it was really irritating. I felt like, uh, I'm having to pause to cast. Um, but when you get used to it, um, that pausing the cast becomes a part of the strategy of the game, uh, that you use sort of in your favor. And it's, it's really a really efficient menu system, uh, once you learn it, but it's one of those things that you just have to learn. It's like, um, I think the game Parasite Eve, which we've played in the playthroughs, gets a lot of flack for the menu system. It's one of the mm -hmm. uh, most kind of challenging aspects of the game, and people don't... I guess that that's probably the main critique of Parasite Eve, is the menu system. But I, I found it, you know, fine. After, after I got used to it, it's just that you kind of have to be patient with games like these. And, um, you know... After after you get into it, it, it just it becomes second nature, right? I mean, it's it's uh, ease of use, uh, and you're kind of like, oh well, this this makes a lot of sense. I can see why they did it this way because it is so much faster. You know, I can just like press up or you know side to side to move things around, or um, you know I have to press a uh, you know B to like select and find it here. I think the hardest thing for me to find was uh, like how to switch my weapons. Um, you know, like finding out how to equip. Right. Is, is different, like equipping your armor is so much different than switching your weapons. It's not under the same menu. Uh, there's sort of like a general menu that has like, you know, equip and all these other things, items. but your magic, yeah. yeah, yeah, items and things like that, but your magic and items and um, your uh, weapons are like under like a different menu that you get by pressing up and down on the control pad. But like you said, I mean, it, it just becomes second nature, I feel like. So I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned I realized it when I was playing the game, but I didn't think of it again until now that the equipment like for armor only is in like a settings kind of part <laughs> of the menu. You yeah, know? yeah. That that's where you go to change uh, your party configuration and their level of aggressiveness or you can change the controls or like the color of the yeah. text box in this menu and that's also where you're going to equip your armor so you can look at your stats you can see like like what your levels are on your weapons or you can look at your levels on your magic too which is something we didn't mention that um i see you have written down is that you have to actually level your magic as well like with your yeah, weapons very, the same kind of deal yeah yeah very important part of the game Absolutely. Uh, which I neglected completely till I got to the end of the game, and I almost <laughs> couldn't finish the game because of it. But uh, I'll I'll explain that when we get to the bosses. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the so I mean, all in all, this I feel like the the gameplay and how you play the game, it's very 
it's like this like controlled chaos if you will like it's very dense and there's a lot to it but somehow when you're playing the game it just kind of comes together and it's a bunch of parts that maybe shouldn't work together but they pretty much do for the most part mm-hmm. yep um, at least that's how it came across to me because it's, like we said it's not there's nothing about it that's very standard you know like yeah everybody can use every weapon the 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 weapons level up in a in a kind of a weird way the the magic levels up your characters level up in the traditional way all of this stuff is all going on at once and it's not hard to follow it's not confusing at least to me it wasn't like i mm-hmm. kind of felt like i had a good grip of what was going on at any given point so yeah and you mentioned control works. chaos um and you know to th- to think about this game being rushed and for them to like put out such a nice product and something that like like you said you know is the sort of controlled chaos but somehow finding a way to uh you know simplify things uh mm-hmm. and make like a cool like new system in such a limited amount of time that that really really works uh you know kudos to, to the developers for that it's 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 quite um uh, an astonishing achievement i think yeah for sure so yeah, there's many like normal enemies in the world. Some of them are pretty interesting. Uh, my favorites were like the big bumblebee-looking things, and also <laughs> the, the wolves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of them are not as interesting. There's these green slime things that kind of break up into uh, little slimes as you fight those them. Those are annoying. Yeah, very annoying. Um, but this game does have a lot, a lot of uh, boss battles. Um, yes. Heavy boss battles, heavily yeah. laden with boss battles. Yeah, uh, definitely quite a few. Now, there's a couple of things going on here with the boss battles that it's funny because I thought, well, I I did this one shot kill thing, and I I'm gonna have to go watch YouTube of all these boss battles, and I didn't I didn't do that for every single one because I found out that you can basically stun lock the bosses with magic. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, tell me about that, Rich. What's it like to play through, obviously, the traditional way? And, I've, I, again, I watched on YouTube, you can literally just kind of bounce back and forth between Prim and Popoy and just mm-hmm. just unlock the boss and, until it's dead. So Yeah, I think as far as enemies are concerned um, in boss battles, that would be my probably my highest criticism um, of the game. We hadn't mentioned this yet, but a lot of the the bosses um especially are reskins yeah um and so that's that's quite annoying i mean you you're fighting some bosses that have been skinned three times yep um and and that's sort of a drag um but the game is so boss intensive that i feel like there was no really other way to do it uh, but with that said, the, the other problem is is that though the bosses may have different patterns, after the spiky tiger fight, which we mentioned before, where, where you had your, your issues, mm-hmm. every boss battle becomes a cast-a-thon. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. honestly, I mean, all you have to do is cast. You, you find that right element to use, and you can just cast, and cast and cast away, and... Um, like like you said, they're just kind of stun lock. You can just drop one spell after the next. You know, you can just keep recasting. There's no meter on spell casting, and maybe that would have made the game a little different to have you know had sort of a 
time limit like you do with your melee weapons as far as when you can cast again. Uh, it might have made right. it more interesting and added a you know, heavier strategy to the game. But like you said, you can just basically stun lock um, every boss. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. It, it takes a lot of enjoyment away from uh, the game. I feel like it would have been nice if they would have integrated more bosses where maybe magic didn't do any damage, you know, where you had to fight like right. melee. And I think that right. would have made the game a lot more interesting. So, you know, that's probably my biggest critique of the game. Sorry, huge Secret yeah. Mana fans. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I would hope most people who even love this game could admit that. I mean, it's true. Sure. That, you know, it's just something you can do in this game to beat the bosses easily. Um, in particular, though, I actually did enjoy my experience with the final boss because you can't you can't cheat on his behind you have to beat him <laughs> legitimately um, and I found myself really painted into a corner at that final boss because I didn't um, I didn't bother with magic for most of the game I mean there's parts where you have to use it and I certainly mm-hmm. like fooled around with it throughout the game but I paid no effort to leveling it up the way you have to so the final boss in the game is the mana beast and mm-hmm. by the way his sprite is my favorite sprite in the game besides oh really yeah uh, be, besides flammy maybe but just one of these huge sprites that's just colorful and beautiful <laughs> yeah like, yeah um but what you have to do is have uh prim and popoy cast spells on randy to power up the mana sword and then you mm-hmm. have this window of time where you can do damage to the 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 mana beast yeah so the problem is if your magic level is at like zero or one it it doesn't even power up the sword or it only hasn't powered for like a second or two and you can't do anything so i see (laughs) so what i had to do literally and i was lucky that i was at such a high level that i had just a ton of items a ton of uh hp and mp to like survive this fight because what I had to do was have them cast those spells over and over and literally level them up over the span of like five or ten minutes huh. so that I could level them up enough to start doing damage to the boss. It was really, um, it was kind of crazy, but that's the pr- that was the one main like price I had to pay for <laughs> cheating through the whole game. Um, but yeah, I thought that uh, out of I, I thought the final boss battle kind of redeemed all the other boss. I mean, not really, but I mean that was like the good boss battle in the game was the final one. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess I, I don't know. I didn't really care for it. Um, okay, I, I didn't really care for the fight, the style of the fight. You know, powering up, having two people having to power up the sword, hitting this boss, and then like getting hit with a huge damage wave and then okay um you know just do a big heal rinse and repeat Mm -hmm. rinse and repeat kind of thing i I thought it was kind of you know i don't know i felt like strategy wise it was sort of lame for a final boss but having said that you know with with just having like a stun like casting fiesta with all the other bosses at least it was different right i mean so i give it that uh I, i will give it credit for for being different um but i don't know i i i guess i would have enjoyed something a little more intense something with a lot more variation for final boss 
I love the Dark Lich. That was probably my favorite boss battle in the game. I mean, even though it was sort of a magic stunlock fight as well, that guy has so much HP that you really have to, like, blast him a ton. That's a long fight. Okay. Um, so, um, that that's a really kind of grinding fight, and you really have to have your magic leveled up pretty high, or you're not going to do a lot of damage to him, and then there's the you know, whole process of you may run out of mana, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and, and trying to cast and then you're kind of screwed, you know? So it's a sort of a, a a really nice balance of using magic, using a lot of magic, um, but also making sure you can, you're conserving enough magic to be able to heal and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of gets down to the wire. I mean, I remember that fight lasting, I would say 15 minutes plus, on that fight, that's a long boss battle compared to what the other ones were, and so that was probably my favorite battle in the game if I had to pick one. But cool. um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm being negative in this aspect, and I, I don't really want to be overly negative. But um, so I'll say some positive stuff, man. That the sprite works beautiful, man. These bosses are awesome, and even if you are getting a reskin, you know, recoloring, each of them are just so they're they're so detailed and beautiful. Uh, whether it be like the vampires. Or the the lich is an um, amazing sprite, and you mentioned the mana beast, but the dragons and those uh, those sort of troll guys, those I think they're called like Gigas. Um, yeah. th- those are those are really cool too, and I think there's like minotaurs, and you know it's 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 beautiful, man. There's some really nice stuff going on in this game, uh, but as I said before, I you know a little a little variation besides that, you know, one moment at the end uh, would have been um, very nice for this game. Yeah, well, I can't agree enough with you on the, the, the sprite work. Just I'm looking at them now, just the coloring. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even the like weird ones, like the, the robots, the Kilroy and Kettlekin, <laughs> yeah. these like little elf robot things with sledgehammers for hands, like they're awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, and those are kind of fun battles too. Great. Because those have yeah, like a that, kind of a strategy, like uh, you kind of kind of run in and hit them, and then back out really quick and not hit them again, and they they can kind of stun you, and you have to scroll between your characters too. So that's kind of fun. So since we're already talking about it, we could get into just the general presentation, the the graphics and sound. I just sure. Wanted, I, I did want to mention the music in this game is incredible. Um, our composer for this one is Hiroki Kakuta, and he worked on a lot of Square RPGs back in the day here, uh, Romancing Sagas, Sagan and Setsu two and three, and mm-hmm. went on to do a bunch of other. Uh, he's still in the business doing modern games. He he did one of the Atelier games, which is a series I really love. So, um, but I mean, I know I've read that like he considers this his like masterwork as far as yeah. music goes. And man, uh, he's right on the money with that. I think so. 
Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's beautiful soundtrack, and it really, really climaxes in the Mana Fortress. The music in the Mana Fortress is stunning. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Um, it, it's great in the rest of the game. The the only, I'll be honest, the only music that grated on my nerves and I felt like didn't fit was the town music for some reason. That was a little irritating. And and you are in the towns quite a bit. Um, but um, other than that, like the rest of the game, anytime you're like out, you know, in the out world, any dungeon, which is, you know, we spend, you know, 85% of your time in the game, beautiful. You know, beautiful, beautiful music, and yeah. uh, you're right. It's it's quite a masterpiece, for sure. And um, the sound effects too, or there are some noteworthy ones that I particularly <laughs> yeah, yeah. enjoyed. Um, the sound of the the pop that an enemy makes when you when you know you killed it. I thought that was such a good sound, and sometimes there's this like collapsing sound too. If it's an enemy yes. that like leaves a corpse behind or skeleton yeah. or whatever. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, it's so a great animation. Satisfying. Yeah, and um, also. Um, the sound effect of the drum, the flammy drum that you use to summon <laughs> flammy, it, it's just... You mean that drum from Karate Kid too? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, wasn't the sound effect for that just so perfect? Like, I don't know what they, you know, it's probably just some SNES, yep. obviously it is, but I mean, like, just whatever they chose to do that, it, it was so perfect, and the animation <laughs> of doing that was just, uh, it was so satisfying to use. um, Yeah, I was just waiting for Chosen to come out and had to battle him in front of Mr. Miyagi and Sato. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's funny. But, I mean, speaking of, like, just Flammy and the world travel, again, he was one of my other favorite sprites, just this big flying dragon thing, which I guess the Mana Beast is along the same line, very similar um, but we did have some Mode 7 uh, going on in the world mm-hmm. map, uh, which was pretty common at the time, but, mm-hmm. it, you know, it looked fine. Just like yeah. in Illusion of Gaia, just like in whatever Final Fantasy games it was in, it looked, it looked fine. Yeah. So. It was a little tough. Um, I felt like the world map, with the when, once you got the Mana Beast and you could fly around, or not the Mana Beast, but Flammy. I thought that was a little aggravating at some points. You couldn't land in certain spots and you know that sort of thing. I think the navigation was tough. I, a lot of times I didn't really know where to go. I would have to you know consult um, a um, uh, a walkthrough or something like that just to see where I was supposed to land. Yeah. Um, it, it would tell you like to go west, but it wouldn't be like true west. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if you use that like globe function, but it doesn't actually do anything. I thought that when you mm-hmm. move that globe around that you were moving with it, but you're not. So it doesn't no. like there's no point to it besides it just looks cool kind of. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's no indication it, of where you need to go. There's just a compass on the top of the screen and I also yeah. had to use maps and walkthroughs online to find where I was going a couple times. So yeah, I would use the globe every once in a while. Like if I knew like where something was at on that map through the globe, um, to sort of reorient myself. Like I was like, I have no idea where I'm at right now. I, okay. Let me go to the map real quick, and I know that this place that I'm supposed to land is like in these mountains or you know somewhere around there in that like landmass. So I would do that. Um, and that's okay. that's where our, that's where the map um, came in 
uh, play for me, and, and I was able to use that. To, there, there there were certain places where I would fly around for a while, and like where I would like to land and save, or where I would like to like grind, you know, my magic up. Um, mm. And so th- there's one specific spot that I used, and so um, so yeah, so I, I did use that map feature quite a bit. So, but uh, but yeah, again, just very disorienting at times. <laughs> To say the least. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't disagree with that. Um, and yeah, so now that we're getting into kind of the miscellaneous stuff about the game and and talking about the map, the the game does have a very limited fast travel system that you can use mm-hmm. before you get <laughs> flaming, which is basically the I love it. of the game. Yeah, the the cannon travel, which is like run by these weird cavemen guys, and they literally just put all three characters in a cannon and shoot them across the world map, and it's so silly. Like you wouldn't survive it, obviously, but they just fall down and land where they need to be, and it's I, I find it's very like context. It's con uh, yeah, it's contextual to like where you are in the story. It's not. I mean, I didn't use it ever to like bounce around from place to place just randomly. I felt like it was very, here's where mm-hmm. you need to go, jump in the cannon, go to the next place kind of thing. Yeah. But it was kind of fun and funny to use. So Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's a, it's a great animation too. Um, it's a great animation when you get shot up and you're like right in the middle of yeah, the air and so, you're like, it's like you're kind of struggling, you know, <laughs> it's floating. Yeah. There's a couple of other like oddball things about this game, and there's a, a site, um, I'll link it in the forum, I don't have it in front of me, but that has all kinds of weird facts, and we were sharing it and looking at it and looking at all the weird things. Oh, I actually did put it in the forum thread, so you, you can just go see it there. Um, but there's actually, when you, get the, uh, when you get the girl in your party, Prim, mm-hmm. you can actually miss her, and I... I legitimately oh, I missed her in my playthrough, okay. and I had to get her the alternate way, which is in, um, there's an area, I forget exactly which area it is, before the Haunted Forest, you have to fight these two werewolves to, like, free her, because she went out to, like, look for Dyluck or something, and, and oh, yeah, yeah. She, she joined your party then. So I didn't realize that that was like, that's like the wrong way to get her, but that's how I got her in my game. You're supposed to just talk to her in the castle, and she joins your party. So mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, there's a story, like, justification if you miss her in the castle that you'll find her later. So Right, kind of right. Yeah, it's nice, it's nice that they thought about that, sort of like a backup, so that you would ensure that you definitely had her in your party. And I think uh, Popoy, there's there's really only one way to do that, and that just becomes sort of part of your quest from there. Um, and yeah, because because of the way it's possible that this is because of the way the develop the game was developed. But there are a few glitches in the game. I noticed a lot of time when I was traveling with the whip across gaps. Sometimes the sprites of my characters would disappear Um, Mm -hmm. and there's one particular part of the game that Doug stumbled upon it and I also had the same experience where you're going up the mountain and the Neko dialogue starts triggering randomly and Neko is another thing I want to talk about he's like the shopkeeper he's appear he's a cat who appears randomly throughout the game Mm -hmm. and there are item shops in the towns but Neko is like this like almost like a side character who you find randomly throughout the game and he comes in handy a lot with healing items and such but um there is this like 
weird glitch on that mountain where his dialogue just pops up randomly. So I thought that was kind of funny. The same thing happened to Doug in his playthrough. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I know what mountain you're talking about, and I would go up that mountain several times because that's yeah. one of the pieces of the games. You have to continually climb that mountain yeah. um, over and over again, which just gets a little annoying. But, uh, um, and um, I, I noticed the first time I went up the mountain, he appeared um, in a specific spot, and I spoke to him and everything and went away. And then he never appeared for me again. But I did at one time run into that dialogue again. Hmm, uh, yeah. So, yeah, there is some sort of uh, odd glitch in the game that, uh, you know, makes him kind of disappear. And, uh, you know, he, he's no longer there after, you know, that, that first go through. I couldn't find him anymore. So, I don't know. It's kind of odd. But, uh, uh, you know, as we said before, this game was sort of rushed out. So... Things like that are kind of expectations, and, and you know it doesn't really take too much away from the game. It's fine. So he's he's not really important, <laughs> if you will. Sure. I mean, you can, there's there's another village nearby where you can get everything that he's selling. There's no important armor or uh, anything like that you're missing uh, by not speaking to him more than once. Yeah, and so like while we're talking about that, just one of the final things I wanted to, we wanted to mention was the. Uh, the length of the game and and whether or not we felt like it was justified being as long as it is is it padded out we we know that a lot of this game was cut so to think that it could have been potentially longer like way longer Mm -hmm. i mean this game is it's weird it's almost like it feels longer than it is i i mean i think i beat it Mm -hmm. in under 30 hours i i I gotta be pretty sure of that um but I, we did discuss this, that it just felt like it was dragging on at certain points and that it could have been shorter than it was. Um, so I just wanted to th- kind of throw that out there. Maybe some of the pacing was a little uneven in points. Mm-hmm. or I don't know what it was, but I, I mean, I'm not complaining too much. It was just something that we all kind of noticed, and I just figured I'd bring it up. So Yeah, I think for me... Um game length was fine i you know i didn't feel like i put a whole lot of time into this game maybe i don't know 25 hours or so but uh i think one of the things that makes the pace of the game and the length of the game feel off is the lack of story you, you know there's just there's just no story in the middle of the game that you know you know you have to go collect these mana seeds and once you get that quest that's pretty much what you're doing you're getting all the mana seeds and then you know you got to go fight the fortress there's no twists no turns in the game nothing that you learn right really well well there i I take that back there is one big big twist um toward the end of the game and uh you haven't played it yet this might be the part where you fast forward for a minute but uh (laughs) you find out that uh your mother is actually the mana tree which is oh, sort right, of a right, right. which is sort of an odd twist. Your your father, of course, is already deceased, and um, that was sort of the only like real surprise in the game to me. And I felt like the game length probably seemed a little choppy and a little off, just because there wasn't a lot of story to kind of push it forward. Yeah, that and all the recycled boss battles makes mm-hmm. for a weird sense of like deja vu. And I've done this before, and yeah, yeah, that'll also kind of make the pacing seem uneven. And what is it, the Pure Lands or whatever you go through, and it becomes this, like, giant boss gauntlet, 
and uh, you know the final area is a, a boss gauntlet as well and so um you know there, there's quite a bit of that in the game as you i think as you get to like sort of higher level areas there tends to be more than one boss in in each like cavern or each temple so uh yeah uh it's it's very boss heavy and as we as we mentioned before about the bosses you know you just basically stun lock them with spells and you know uh rinse and repeat <laughs> nice well as we uh, start to wrap up our conversation here, I'm going to pass it over to you because I want to know, would you recommend this game? And, and you want to talk about Secret of Evermore a little bit. So I'll just say that I would definitely recommend this game. I do, I do think that it didn't meet all of some very lofty expectations I had for it, but I still mm-hmm. enjoyed it, you know. Um I had a really good time with it, especially after I started cruising through it, you know, kind of putting the the recharge system by the wayside and just hacking through all the enemies quickly uh, made the game move faster for me. And I, I enjoyed it. And I'm not saying go and put that cheat code on is the only way to enjoy <laughs> the game. I'm not saying that at all. I mean... I played it legitimately until I got to the spiky tiger and I was still having a, a fine time. So, um, yeah, I would say it's, it's still worth playing. It's, it's kind of odd to me. I didn't even mention the, the platforms this game is available on. It's only on the original super Nintendo, uh, the Wii virtual console and then mobile devices. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> strange to me. There was never, uh, a Nintendo DS port or a Game Boy Advance port of this game like mm. there was with all the Final Fantasy games and Chrono Trigger later on the DS. So yeah. that, that's kind of strange to me uh, for such a popular title. But mm-hmm. it, that, that's that's the world we live in. you got to either get the card or get it on the virtual console. But I would, uh, I would recommend it for sure. So Yeah, and, and kind of going with what you're saying now, I can't believe this game hasn't been remade. And those original concepts and those that other 40 percent of the game that's missing hasn't been uh dug out as popular as this game is and as many people that love this game it's a little surprising to me that it would seem to be sort of a no-brainer to do that and maybe put it on you know like 3ds or uh, um one of those platforms right yeah that would that would be great i mean and it's you can't say like you know, it's too sacred. I mean, they're remaking Final Fantasy VII. Seven, so, yeah. Yeah, there's there's nothing that they're going <laughs> to remake. So, but this would be a good candidate for it, for sure. Yeah. And I think if true fans of the game knew that there was 40% of this game missing because of development issues and the reasons right. for that, I think they would be completely excited to see what those additions would have been to this game. So, just to go along with what you were doing as far as would I recommend this game? Absolutely. Um, I think the price point on this game right now is about $50 loose. When I think of games and retro games, I know a lot of people with retro games are like, I don't want to pay that much for a retro game. My thought's always been this. There's so many people out there that have no problem shelling out $60 and $70 for a new game that they've never played before, right. hoping that it'll be good, depending on you know reviews they've read or trailers that they've seen on the internet, and they're completely willing to do that. Why not spend $10, $20 less on a game that you already know is going to be good? And uh, this is a good game. You know, one that I would highly recommend uh, to anyone who loves RPGs. I 
tend to be a little critical on games, um, and you know for good reason. But I, I can't say enough about the good things in this game and and praise the graphics and um you know the way it looks the music in this game as you mentioned is phenomenal it has a great menu system it has a great battle system that's fun to tinker with um you know um very very few complaints about this game so i would definitely definitely recommend it to someone who is working on a super nintendo library or you know just someone who wants to play a, a great classic rpg and uh, it's up there. It's no, uh, it's no Chrono Trigger for sure, uh, but it's definitely high amongst the list of um, Super Nintendo RPGs, I would say, and, and anything that was out at the time, of course. Um, I'd, I'd love to play this game sometime with three people. That, that would be awesome. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> be a whole new experience and uh, a lot of fun. But uh, I know you wanted me to talk a little bit about uh, Secret of Mana and Secret of Evermore. I want to say, unfortunately, these two games kind of get compared side by side. I mean, same development company and very similar names. Um, Secret of Evermore was not originally going to be titled Secret of Evermore, but um, I think they thought with the success of Secret of Mana that it might be good to similarly title them for sales purposes. But I think a lot of people thinking that playing one game and the other and comparing them as sort of as if they were sequels. And I think people fall into that trap. And that's a huge mistake to compare these games as sequels. They're not related in any way. Except, you know, they they have some features that are similar. Mainly the menu system and mainly the battle system. Because they both have the rechargeable attacks. And, of course, both were made by Square Enix. I think you have to look at these two games as separate entities. I come from a different perspective in that I played Secret of Evermore first, which a lot of people who are staunch defenders of Secret of Mana and always say, oh, this game is so much better than Secret of Evermore, played them in the order that they were released, and mm-hmm. for good reason. And, and I understand that. But I don't know, man. It's it's like, why are you comparing these two games? They, they shouldn't be even compared at all. They're not the same game. They're different games, you know? Right. Um, as far as... Which one did I enjoy more? I enjoyed them both for different reasons. I really enjoyed Secret of Evermore uh, just because it has a really nice science fiction twist. It has a very historical piece to it where you're traveling to prehistoric times. You're traveling to sort of Roman times. You're on a spaceship in the future with a dog that shoots laser beams out of its eyes. Um, you know, it, it just it's really silly and it's campy and it's a lot more comical, whereas Secret of Mana is a much more serious game. Let's save the universe. There's not a lot of comedy in it. It's a very serious game, whereas uh, Secret of Evermore is very much, uh, it's more lighthearted. They're both brilliant games, and I would say both worthy of adding to your library. Don't try to fuss and bicker over which one's better than the other. It doesn't matter. They're both fun games and uh, wonderful games in their own right. So that's just sort of my uh, final take on it. So <laughs> Nice. No, I really I, I like all of that sentiment. I, I think that's a good kind of vision to approach any game with. And uh, I do believe that, you know, pieces of art should be able to stand independently of each other. So... I agree. Having not even played Secret of Evermore, I agree that I would, uh, you know, try to approach it that way. And also, like, pretty excited to play Seiken Densetsu 3 now. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely have both of those uh, on my radar, for sure. 
Yeah. So yeah. I don't. Is, are there any like final parting thoughts before we uh, wrap it up and talk about February? Or think I think you covered uh, everything. I think we covered about everything. I'm good. All right. Cool. Well, I'm I'm going to take the announcement here. Uh, obviously, Floyd wasn't able to join the call tonight. Uh, he got wrapped up in something uh, in his life, so he's going to be hosting the February game. And I feel qualified to talk about it since I already played it. So <laughs> uh, We had a few people already finish this game, which is odd. I know Pam said that she's already finished the game. And she's like, I sat yeah. down, I played it, and I could not stop. <laughs> so yeah. that's a good thing. I'm glad to hear that. I didn't play it in one sitting for sure, but it's the kind of game that is it just flows very well. Um, this is Murdered Soul Suspect. And mm-hmm. um, it's a game that, not very critically appreciated, but it is kind of gaining like a cult following at this point. And it's very interesting. And I really can't wait to talk about it because it's got a lot of problems. But once you start playing it, it kind of sucks you in. So it's yeah, going to cool. be uh, very interesting. So as usual, just join us on the forums and talk about it with us. Murdered Soul Suspect available on every major console that's out right now. So yeah, yeah, and I just want to add: um, after you hear this, go ahead and run out and pick it up. It's it's about a five to ten dollar game usually on yeah, you know any system gonna, you want to play it on. It's and it's definitely going to spike in value after we talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's going to go the way of Fragile Dreams. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, that'll do it for another episode. Thanks again for listening, and an extra special thanks to everyone who participated in the playthrough and joined us on the forum at rfgeneration.com. In February, we'll be led by Floyd as we take a look at Murdered Soul Suspect, a game which did not enjoy much critical success upon its release, but has quietly gained a cult following. Is it well-earned? Join us on the forum and tune in to next month's show to find out. The game is available on various 7th and 8th generation platforms as well as the PC. Thank you as always for listening and we'll see you next time on the RF Generation Playcast. <laughs>